Welcome to the special edition Union Fitness Podcast. Special edition because it's just me, Todd Hammer, and our esteemed producer, Josh Elsass, sitting over there in the co-captain's chair, making sure I don't wreck this plane. How are we doing today, Josh? Todd, we are fantastic. It's another day in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Really is. Mr. Rogers, Pittsburgh guy, you know, big fan. And we don't live in McKee's Rocks where you could get hit by a car inside the Rite Aid parking lot. That happened? Oh, yeah. Did, did you not, not see this clip? I did not see this. Uh, I think it was around the 4th. Um, there was a fight that was happening in the parking lot of the Rite Aid. And I'm not sure which side the car was on, whether it was the guy that was being beat up two on one. I would assume so because they hit one of the guys doing the beating up with the vehicle to free the guy getting beaten up. And then a second altercation happened with another car. Uh, and a human, and you know, but hey, the rocks is the rocks, and yeah, yeah, I grew up right down the road. Stay safe out there, friends. You know, I mean, that's played many a games on the old Stow Rock Stadium there. As uh, my aunt, who is uh, of the Italians of the Rocks community, will say, um, she, uh, you gotta be tough. Gotta be tough. You gotta, gotta be, be tough, tough to live in the rocks. And we're gonna talk about that today. You know awesome. why? Because uh, so, uh, if those of you don't know, our man Curtis has been out for a little bit, mm-hmm. minor little lifting injury, but he's fine. Uh, so he'll be back next week, possibly. We could have him back. That would be exciting. Late. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, you know, Jared's out there, PT and taking care of the community. Uh, CJ is drinking beer um somewhere on earth no one knows where red rocks cj denver actually Boulder. he's back in town but cj could not be with us today oh, okay so we're doing a strength and conditioning episode uh-huh of the union fitness podcast produced by the one and only josh Elsass. it's very exciting yeah so uh, we're gonna i'm gonna go through uh so i recently wrote a blog for for us here at union fitness called lessons learned mm. And I, it was a lessons learned part two because when I wrote for Elite FTS, I wrote a uh, article for them called Lessons Learned, and went through uh, the lessons I learned from my mentors. And I find that mentor mentee relationship interesting. I talked about this last time because so often you are someone's mentor until all of a sudden they are your mentor, and you never know when that change happens. And I have so many former assistants that I'm like, wow it changed they became my mentor or they've taught me so much of the gifts that they've given back to me and i wanted to uh go through uh my life before union fitness and the lessons i learned from some of those people through the time i spent as a 20 years as a college strength and conditioning coach um and i promise this won't just me be me bashing one former employer crickets <laughs> it won't be uh i love all my former employers but so I wanted to delve into that, Josh. Do you have any thoughts on that before we begin this long, windy, twisty tale? I believe um, a quote from this very podcast was that you give 50% information, <laughs> 50% stories. Um, so for this to be loaded with both, I think will be great for our listeners. Uh, well, hopefully I got some of both. But um, so I grew up, I could have walked here from where I grew up. Uh, I grew up right across the West End Bridge. Um, if you ever cross the West End Bridge... Well, it's, that's a far walk, Todd. It's not. <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hike. Cross active fellas. There you go. Uh, if you ever walk across West End Bridge, go up like you're on a craft, and you'll see Bob Hammer's Auto Service on the right hand side. That's Uncle Bob. Hmm. So I grew up right over there. My whole family's from Sheridan, kind of West End, kind of craft in that area there. I grew up, uh, so I was a Pittsburgh City guy, um, and uh, did my undergrad at Penn State. Knew. Um, I like lifting. I grew up a Western PA football family. My dad was, you know, the coach. My grandfather was a coach. They coached Bill Cower. Oh. Uh, there's an interview with Bill Cower somewhere that someone sent to me where they said, who were your early influences as a coach? And he said, I wouldn't be the coach I am today without Coach Hammer. That's really cool. Pretty cool. I mean, you can look on the Bill wall Cowher. behind Todd. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, the Steelers <laughs> are, are well-beloved here. So, so yeah, so that, that – uh, so – uh, I remember uh, when I got to high school, my father said, you know, you can't play football. You're just too small. You need to lift. And that kind of got me down that path. And then um, and then I got to college and continued with that. And I was lucky enough to get an internship with Buddy Morris at the University of Pittsburgh. Now, if you don't know who Buddy Morris is, he is. We've talked about Buddy a lot on this yeah, show. Yeah, one of the godfathers of strength yeah. conditioning. And, um, and first lesson learned here. The thing I learned from Buddy was work harder than everyone else in the room. The thing I didn't learn from Buddy is how to deal with things like your administration, your head coaches, <laughs> because only Buddy can do what Buddy does the way Buddy does it. 
Um, and I think people lose track of that. I think too often people go, oh, look, Buddy does this. I'll do this. You know, Buddy would walk in a room and be like, I'll tell you why this team sucks because he would use some expletives to describe why they weren't being tough. Most people go on a job interview and they don't get that job when they say that. Buddy is Buddy. People expect that. The reputation's there. And I think the big lesson is when your reputation's there, you have a little more leadway. And um, as a young coach, too often people think, oh, that's the way to do it. Um, and it's not. That's how Buddy does what Buddy does. And I can guarantee you he doesn't do it the same way today as he did 20 years ago. Times have changed. The kids have changed. How we coach has changed. It's just, it's just too different. But I was lucky enough to spend almost a full year at the University of Pittsburgh watching Buddy, learning from Buddy. And remember, this was in the late, this was 1999. I lived in Mount Washington. I had the worst house in the backside of Mount Washington, kind of going back down to the tunnels, like not the best part I'm of familiar. Yeah, not, not a great part of Mount Washington. And I used to ride my bicycle, started in January, from there up the, up the backside of Mount Washington, down Mount Washington, across the south side. This was prior to bike lanes, kids, and helmets. No one had helmets in the 90s. And then into Oakland and over to the stadium because I couldn't afford to park because I was an intern. And then after work, I would lift, train, do all things all day. Buddy would send me home with a couple extra Gator Pro, the old metal Gator Pro shakes, because I burned too many calories riding home. And I'd ride back up Mount Washington and home. Uh, on a good night, I got to stop and have a beer at Casey's Draft House because my friend was the owner at the time. Casey's Draft House mm-hmm. is a great pull. Still there. Still Casey's great, is still there. Mike, Mike owns it now. Oh. Uh, his co-owner. Awesome. It was Mike and Joe owned it. Joe, RIP, he uh, died of a car crash oh. at 27 years old. Oh, young my guy. Gosh. Yeah. He was my best friend you know, during that time in my life. But uh, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. Well, anywhere you can get a free beer, that's your best friend, period. <laughs> that's true. Um, but... So, uh, you know, I think the, the, the take-home point is do what you do your way, but also understand your mentor may do it their way, and that's okay. That doesn't make it your way. Yeah. Um, from there, I finished up. I actually went to Penn State where I had six credits left and basically said, went to my advisor's house. I want to be a strength coach. Instead of taking this, whatever I had to take, like I had some prereqs I didn't take yet, can I go work in the weight room? They allowed me to go spend time with JT, the strength coach, and now – Buddy was, you know, kind of came from that West Side mentality, chains, bands, all that stuff. And then JT was the old hit guy, Nautilus machines, one set to failure. And at the time, you know, it was right and wrong to me. And I think, um, you know, I saw people work as hard as I've ever seen at Penn State. I don't 100% agree with how they trained them, but they worked hard and they were committed. And they won a lot of freaking games. So, you know, I definitely learned about hard work while watching those people at Penn State because um, – I remember it was uh, LeVar Arrington, Curtis Enos, uh, if you remember these names. You know, those guys were freaks. Oh, you don't have to. Yes, that's the the golden era. Yeah, Yeah. those guys were freaks, and they worked their tails off. And, and, you know, I learned a lot about that. But then it was funny. I finished that uh, internship, graduated, got a degree. Of course, had nothing to do with my life. My parents had moved to Durham, North Carolina, Uh, didn't know what to do, Uh, ended up moving to North Carolina because what do you do? Graduate, you need don't have a job, you move into your parents' basement, right? Um, and I just found a job working at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, working in the School of Nursing. I'm a trained phlebotomist, so I can draw blood if you need it. Um, I worked in juvenile diabetes research hmm. for a year and a half and learned a lot I didn't know. I basically was a data collector. They would send me out to these random schools. I would spend a day at the school working with third graders or sixth graders where I would do a VO2 max test on a third grader. I would draw their blood. We'd freeze that up on some ice, process it on site so we could take it back to our labs, um, questionnaire about their diet. And basically the study was called the child, uh, Children's Health, no, check something health in children, I forget, Cardiac Health in Children. And what they were looking at is specifically type 2 diabetes in minority populations in the rural south. And it was an eye-opener for me. I'm Started a, with the sweet tea. Sweet tea. Uh, you know, I'm a white guy. grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, there's a reason it's called Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. is not a hugely diverse city. And I go to rural, rural North Carolina. And, man, did it open my eyes to another world. You know, what it's like. And, and, and I mean, honestly, it's changed my view of things like educational system how we need to do better for for these communities uh in the rural south and like we had questionnaires on diets and the kids would be like third grader like what was for breakfast um marshmallows what was for lunch snickers what was for dinner uh parents weren't home ate cheetos and i'm like and sweet tea all day 
Um, you know, uh, I did fall in love with like fried okra. okra. <laughs> Some good stuff. Grits, uh, grits and, and gravy. Or I had grits on vacation this week. There you go. I can get down with some grits. Uh, learned some Southern things, but knew I wanted to get back in strength and conditioning. Started applying for jobs. Uh, applied for a GA at Virginia Commonwealth University with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Contos. If you don't know Tim Contos, know Tim Contos. Tim is the man. Been a strength coach for. We 20, had Tim on the show. We had Tim on the show. Yeah. 25 years. Been a strength Just coach. Just go back in our uh, feed. You can yes. find it. VCU. Uh, so I went there, did my graduate work at Virginia Commonwealth University, was a GA. Um, and, and I talked about, it's interesting, the, the juxtaposition. Hammer, what year is it? This year was 2001. And okay, I remember because cool. I was in grad school on September 11th. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's one of those like never yeah. forget moments. Uh, my professor was, we had a guest lecture. It was a sport and law course. And a, and a professor, guest professor comes in, starts doing this thing. The professor steps out. Class started at 9 a.m. Right about the time, right? And I'll never forget, the professor walks back into class for like 20 minutes and goes, we're under attack. I recommend all of you go call your parents. And like those words to an American, again, I talked about the lessons, you know, kind of like going to North Carolina, like seeing the world differently. We're under attack. Go call your parents. What the hell does that mean? I, I don't ever remember anyone saying we're under attack. Yeah. Even like on the news that day, but. <laughs> But, like, okay. I guess, like, you know, at that point, no one knew. It's only the second is, time it had ever happened. Hey, you know, so. yeah, like, we're the, the country. Except for what yeah. we did. So uh, this yeah. is kind of funny. Go back to Bob Hammer. Okay. Bob Hammer's Auto Service, which is still there. He doesn't run it. He sold it. But another guy runs Bob Hammer's Auto Service. His name's Jim or something. Um, but so someone said, I heard a plane went down to Pittsburgh. And I was like, oh, my God, a plane went down to Pittsburgh. And remember, like information this was not there was no google it's not far it wasn't far yeah Yeah. and there was no google so it was like cnn like whatever you could get and so i called uncle bob because i'm thinking of a plane attack pittsburgh it'll take out the city it's not that big of a city so i called uncle bob who's right there in the west end like hey everything good and he's like yeah i got this front end i'm trying to align here (laughs) and i was like no i mean a plane it went down are you like i'm worried he's like ah that was out in a stick somewhere everything's good i gotta get back this front end though and you know it was just your pittsburgh mechanic bob did not feel under attack Bob was not under attack. No. Bob was, you know, his thing was, I know something's happening, but I'm working on the front end. Yeah. So, so just, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. so okay. Hammer's in high school in the 80s. In the 90s, he's doing undergrad, riding up and down the hill, uh, hanging out with the name just literally poofed out of Bobby air. Bobby Morris. Thank you. Yeah. Too many concussions. Well, that was 99. Yep, hanging out at the University of Pittsburgh, and now uh, so then went Carolina. to Penn State, yep, yep, and yep. now is in in Carolina, then Virginia. Right, 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 so, right, right. And it is 2000, 2001-ish. Tim brings me in. I think it's like my second week, and Tim's like, by the way, I have hernia surgery. I'm out for a week. I need you to run the team. So I'm like, I've never actually been in charge of a team. I screwed up everything. And, uh, again, what I was getting to is the What judge, were the teams? Everything. It was me and Tim <laughs> in the student rec center with every team. How um, many teams? 16. 16? Yeah. They were not a huge department. Um, obviously – Men and women's basketball was your bread and butter. But I had specifically, I had field hockey. I had, I forget the sports I had, to be honest with you right now, off the top of my head. And I know. And a football program. No, they didn't They don't football. Oh, okay. Okay. BC, okay. University of Richmond's football. There I met Jim Roney, who was the strength coach at Richmond at the time, who's now a strength coach at a high school in Dallas. I was the best man's wedding, great friend of mine to this day. Uh, and he uh, was a powerlifter, squad 650 at 165. Damn. Yeah, he was a strong at guy. At 165? Yeah. Now no, he's a, sir. Now he's a crossfitter. No, he's a, yeah, sir. He's, he's a whack job. Well, this was back in the gear days. Everything's a little different Still. with the squat suit and everything. But went full west side over there. But I learned from Jim intensity. Like, that dude came in just ready to work every day. I never forget. One day I slept through our lift, 6 a.m. lift. We were supposed to meet. And whatever happened, I didn't make it. I forget the reason. And I got to my weight room, and there was a coffee cup sitting just perched on, the, like, the doorknob. Just like, I was here. And, and it, like, my heart broke. Like, I failed you. I, I, I'm a failure. But that dude worked as hard, just brought it every day, brought the intensity, brought the heat. Um, and then Tim, like I said, on the other hand, taught me about you actually have to be a professional in the profession. Um and this isn't taking away from Buddy, but again, I came from that mindset of just work, 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 everything will work itself out. Well, no, you have to be a professional. And to this day, I still lean on those lessons that he gave me. Um, but I finished my uh, GA at VCU. Everything was cool. And uh, Interviewed for a couple jobs. Interviewed for – it's funny how the world works. I interviewed for jobs with guys who that later became my friends. 
And I say, remember when you didn't hire me? And they're all like, no, I actually don't. I'm like, well, you didn't. Uh, but I took a position at the Citadel, Charleston, South Carolina, military school. Here's a story. I enter military school. I'm the only non-military guy. We all, we sit down as a campus at mess hall three times a day to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's military school. So here I am moseying across campus. I'm not seeing hop, 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 things going on militaristically, military, you know that word. And uh, like these like bells start ringing and I'm just walking. Everyone's stopped and everyone stopped. Everyone is stopped. And I'm just like, what's everyone doing, guys? I guess you're supposed to stop when these things go off. It's like a respect thing. No one told me. Uh, the next day, uh, still early on, I'm walking over to mess hall, and it's for breakfast, and they had this these knobs, a freshman called knobs. Uh, knobs run five miles or some crap before breakfast, and they're all standing there. And, and one kid just melts, blacks out. And I watch him go down. He's um, I'm walking by the, the, the group, and I'm like, instructor uh you got one down so me and the instructor i got the kids feet and we're running them over to infirmary um then uh my boss says go get a haircut you get it on campus for seven bucks i was like oh sweet you know i said but i don't want to hide tight he's like no no do anything you want so i was like yeah, a little off the you know trim it up a little bit i got the high and tight uh had the military look for a little bit but um i was only there about six months and Again, Charleston, South Carolina. Everyone, you know, oh, man, you live in Charleston. Charleston's a great place to visit. Not a great place to live unless you're absurdly wealthy. Um, but, you know, learning so much about that military approach to how they do things, um, just that that was so, again, another, not I didn't learn as much as a lifter, as a strength coach, but as a human being about a different world. And I lived in North Chucktown. North that is. Chucktown is North Charleston that the locals called North Chucktown. Uh, North Chucktown's not the best neighborhood. And I definitely learned the fact that, um, you know, the Southern approach to the world is still so different um, than ours. But from there, I took a job uh, as the director of strength conditioning at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, October 14th, 2003, four, something like that, I moved to New York. And I'll never so forget. Hang on. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's this is, this is what coaching the fourth location in wow. four years. Penn State, Pitt, Carolina, Citadel. This is fifth. Well, fifth I'm good, yeah, from 2001 till and now. And this is not unusual in co college coaching because you're getting yeah. you're still getting you know your your thing. Uh, so I get the job. I never forget. I, I get in my Ford Ranger with no air conditioning. Um, I drive from Charleston, South Carolina, October 14th to Poughkeepsie, New York. Only stops in D.C. to fuel up. And I have flip flops, a sleeveless shirt, and shorts on. I get to Poughkeepsie and the snow flurries. I'm staying in a hotel, and they say, we're having a barbecue tonight. Now, I've been in the South for a couple years now. I'm down with a barbecue. you got some fried okra in the corner. you got some grits. And I'm pumped. So I get there. I shower up. I get cleaned up. You know, I've driven whatever, some absurd amount of hours that day. Uh, I go down for the barbecue, and it's hamburgers and hot dogs. And I forget that Northerners, get this right, a barbecue <laughs> is a barbecue. Dogs and burgers is just a cookout. That's not a barbecue. Uh, yeah. That's a cookout. That makes sense. But here in Pittsburgh, it's like, hey, we're having a barbecue. See, it's my uh, barbecue cookout, whatever you want to call it. It's my favorite time of the year is through the 4th of July because I can eat an unapologetic amount of hot dogs. That's what I'm saying. I don't eat an unapologetic amount of hot dogs, but. You would eat an unapologetic amount of fried okra. I would. Yeah. But, uh, so I was, I was at Marist College for two years. Now, I was overseeing 26 teams, including football. Uh, including overseeing the student rec center. I had one intern during my time there. It was absolute chaos. It's an unmanageable job. Mm -hmm. And I always see these young strength coaches, or young people generally, they take these jobs like, I can take on the world. You probably can, but you can't do that job. Mm -hmm. It was physically impossible to actually sustain the job that they want done. You're the guy overseeing the student rec center, which was open, I think, seven to nine. You have 26 teams. The football team wants you traveling, which was just dumb. Don't get me started about traveling. It's beyond dumb as a strength coach. Um, all these things. And I learned it's, that. It's beyond dumb till your drinking partner is the camera guy who has to travel. Hi, Cam. <laughs> Cam Davidson. Um, but uh, I, I always look at return on investment. And if you're going to commit two days to something, what? how much work are you going to get done? Traveling right. is two to three day thing. Right now, right. hockey two games. It might be a three to four day thing. Yeah, right? hockey's four. Yeah, are you really gonna get that much work done? No, no. There's no reason for it. But that's neither here nor there. So um, I had this job for two years, and I knew you know it was just unattainable. 
Um, and we were living up, me and Erica were living up in New York. She was working in New York City. Well, she had been in D.C., had done her master's at Mason. We had some connections down there. The lights just flickered. Are we still on? The we're power still on. I got a blue screen, so if anyone's still listening, our our power flickered, and here we're back. So, um, it's having some power outages here with the heat wave. And Hang on, let me hit stop recording. I got a call from a friend of mine, a strength coach at George Mason, old Jorge Mason, and he said, hey, we have a position. It's actually, the deal at the time was like, we have a part-time position, but I, the assistant, we were pretty sure was trying to move on, and you know, you come down and do a good job, and you can kind of mosey into that position if everything goes well. Um, so I moved to Fairfax. Are you ready for this? I was getting twelve grand a year from Mason, and I was still working 40 hours a week at a Lifetime Fitness. So I was basically working five to nine, but it was still better than working 26 teams and being in charge of a student rec center, commuting all over the place, back and forth, you know, paying, uh, man, this was 2006, seven, something like that. And I think our rent was 1200 a month for a one bedroom in Fairfax. I mean, that was 15 years ago. Um, it's a really good thing that your wife makes more money than you. I know. Yeah. So, um, a funny story about her is that she left her job in DC. Then she, um, Left her job in D.C., returned to D.C. to the exact same job, and they hadn't touched her office in the year and a half she was gone. So her job was so unimportant that no one did it while she was gone. Remind her of that. <laughs> Don't remind her that. I won't be in I'm trouble. not saying shit. <laughs> not saying shit. I should probably cut that out. I won't, but I probably should. She'll maybe laugh. But um, so, yeah, so – I took the job at George Mason. I was there for about six months. The assistant left. They bumped me up. It worked out great. Um, my big thing at the time was women's basketball. Now, if you can go back to 2006, George Mason, do you remember what happened? Was that their big run? Final four. That was their big run my, for my men's. My first, second year with them. Yeah, and I was assistant with the men's. Uh, Lamar Butler, our shooting guard, number 22. I still have the Sports Illustrated. He was on the cover. And this was back when being on the cover of Sports Illustrated was it. Like right. That was the deal. Yeah, and it was it was the uh, it was like kind of the decade of the unknowns because Wake Forest had had a run at that point, Virginia had a run at that point, Butler had had a run at that point. We yeah, uh, but we were the first no namer to make the Final Four. Right. That was right. Like, right. Right. That was the breakthrough. We were an 11 seed. Tony Skin, who's coaching somewhere now, I forget where. I just saw he's coaching. I think somewhere in the A10 actually. And then Lamar Butler is coaching at Paul the Six High School, but. I'll never forget. Uh, Hate Breed had just released a new album. I used to jam it while I was, was lifting. <laughs> never, never think that everything doesn't come back to nah, Hate Breed when it comes Hate down Breed. to Todd Hammer. And the song "Destroy Everything" just came out. Ah, uh, yes, one of your favorites. And one of Ten Six favorites too. And I remember Lamar, six a.m. lift, walking across the field house, and it was the whole track. So he had to walk, and Lamar is going destroy everything and he just singing along with Hate Breed. And I always respected that. This dude just came. To, he brought the juice every day. But um, but that was really cool to be a part of and the experience of seeing that team go to the Final Four. Um, I mean, that staff's still down at Miami with Laranaga and Caputo. Um, they, they, I, you know, I never thought they'd win at Miami, but they did Miami in the top ten a few years back. Yep. So they did okay. Um, but um, learned a lot about just, you know, seeing that level of winning because I had never seen that before and been around that. Um, moral story then uh, – I got a call from Thomas Linsky, who I knew through Buddy Morris. He was a strength coach of Robert Morris, and he called and said, do you want to take the Robert Morris job? Now, this is like 2008. I was like, I, you know, I can, I'll, I'll talk to him. And uh, I went down to meet with the AD at the time and uh, our friend. And uh, I go down there, and they have a basketball game. And there's probably 700 people in the sta stands. And they didn't even have a band at the time. That's a all, lot for Robert Morris. I know. They had like a jazz band playing. Like these old yeah. And, man, I remember we just lift, raised our banner, like our, our Final Four banner. We had 9,000 at the game, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And, uh, and you know, it's where I'm from, whatever. I ended up taking the job, and I was there for 12 years. And, I mean, the biggest thing, honestly, I can say I learned there is I made some great friends. The general counsel for the university, Sid Zahn, became a great friend of mine, a mentor of mine. His son is actually an athletic trainer at Washington State now. I actually – like to think I helped him with that because I knew some people at Washington State that, that ended up, you know, helping him there. But um, but so I got to Robert Morris, and the, the biggest impact I had were the people that I actually hired to work for me. 
Ryan Horn, who went on to be a strength coach at Tulsa and Wake Forest. Um, Ryan Nozak went on to Paul and now is running his own thing. Former uh, guest of the podcast. Former guest of the podcast. Scott Umber, our hockey local hockey guru. Yep. Uh, you know, there were so many people that came through. Ralph Petrella, um, you know, Paul O'Need, who I'm speaking at one of his conferences actually on Monday. And I know I'm leaving people out, but man. Charles Jasper. Charles Jasper. He doesn't count. That guy, that Jeff. Oh, Rick Ganner, who was on the podcast. Rick Ganner. Robert Rick, Morris, right? Robert Morris started at Robert Morris. That, so that guy was an undergrad at Bloomsburg. He went to intern for me, but he didn't have a car. So he lived his he lived near me in Swickley, a couple miles away, and his dad would drop him off at Starbucks every morning. I would pick him up at Starbucks, bring him up, and two things there is one, the kid was committed. Two, I must have been a nice boss because how many bosses are gonna pick their intern up from Starbucks and drop him off at Starbucks every day? Um, it was kind of on my way, but still, I thought I was a nice boss for doing that. Um, and and so many connections, and that that's when I began actually writing for Elite FTS, which was a huge thing for me. And and I realized then that. Uh, someone had said this to me, you don't get jobs because of who, who you know, you get jobs because of who you know, who they know. It's that second tier, and it's like our relationship. You know, oh, I know someone who knows someone, let me get you guys in touch, and, and we do that quite often. Mm -hmm. um, but not just that, I think um, I learned how important networking really is, and you're not being a sellout. I would go to a conference every year, and I would take the conference list of the roll call, who's there, and I would highlight every person I met, and I would write something about them. Now I'd email every single person. So I would go back to my office and sit and send an email. Hey, coach, whatever, it's great to meet you. And it, when it stuck with me that it works is one year we pulled up in Nashville at a national conference, and we were rolling out of the, the actually, uh, what's his name, who's now up at Buffalo, was with us at the time. We had a good staff, and we had a minivan. We'd rent a minivan drive. It's like six of us, and we're rolling out of the van, and uh, um, the Baylor staff's getting out in front of us. And I knew one of the guys pretty well. And I was like, Baylor's here. Robert Morris is going home. And the entire staff was like, Hammer. And we're all in, in like my staff's like, oh, you know the guys at Baylor? You know, because, yeah, it's a small community. And if you go out and network, you'll know these people. Yeah. And um, and so, so I think finding ways to do that network, make yourself, you know, available to others. But not just, I learned this from Brian Mann, who was a strength coach in Missouri, now a professor at Miami is um, also use the resources around you. You know, be a great steward of your current resources. Also, Ann Tamparello said that, who's actually at Baylor now. But, um, but you know, you have great professors. You have statisticians. You work at a university with some of the smartest people around. Use them. But um, Robert Morris, you know, I was there for 12 years. It was great. Uh, 2017 was a finalist for NSCA Strength Coach of the Year, which was pretty cool. I won uh, a couple awards from the university for uh, basically best employee. Um, and then that's tough. You had to beat Heather Pinson. Heather Pinson. Well, no, I was employee. They were they were faculty. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. So you had to beat uh, I think, Steve at Romo's yeah, and Steve John Romo. Tucci, uh, which uh, are no sleepers. Tucci is not a sleeper. He sang my uh, national anthem, at my son's game, a couple weeks back. No. Yes, Tenzin the Tucci. The Tucci showed up. Next time it happens, you have to record it and send it to me. I, that was the only game I missed all year. Oh, uh, my God. I, I had, I, we had to meet here, actually, is when we had to meet. Oh, but, uh, the tooch. So, yeah, I was at Robert Morris. I, uh, I was let go. A uh, new football coach came in. There were some changes going on. There was some pressure on the AD. Had to make some changes. They let me go. And funny story about that, here are 50% stories, is I had a meeting with the dean of the School of Education the day after I was let go. And I texted him. I was like, hey, man. Can't do the meeting in my office. Could we meet at Crazy Mocha and Swickley tomorrow? And he was like, yeah, is everything cool? I was like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just meet you over there. And so I walk into Crazy Mocha, and I see him. And he's like, Hammer. I was like, I'm going to grab a coffee. I'll be right out. And uh, I see um, Barbara Howard, Chris Howard's wife. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, my God, Hammer, I just heard. Where are you going? You're leaving us. <laughs> and it was awkward. Cause I'm like, well, Miss yeah, mm, Howard, nothing personal. We're friends. We're cool. Like, we're neighbors. Uh, I was fired, and she's like, oh, my God, I didn't know. I was like, oh, everyone's fired in strength conditioning. I'm okay with it. It's fine. Um, and she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. And I was like, it's, it's cool. A little awkward, whatever. So I did have that meeting with the dean of the School of Education at the time. But um, from there, actually, so Casey. Wait, wait what did yeah. the dean say? Because if the dean didn't know. Well, the dean, no one knew. I mean, it was the same conversations. Just, well, really? I, you know, and, oh. and at that point. I think the ADs was kind of on the ropes as well as you know, right. what, not not a hidden fact. 
so I think he was trying to kind of, hey, I'm making changes here. Um, obviously, it didn't work out in his behalf either, but Casey Williams was running this place, good friend, and I called him. And uh, we have this thing that, uh, you know, if you ever get in trouble at work, give me a call. And he said, hey, we need some trainers in here. And so I came down and I started training a couple people. And during that time, I interviewed. I interviewed with uh, J.L. Holdsworth, great guy, good friend. Uh, he offered me a position down there to come down and be their general manager, actually, of, uh, of the what? Spot Athletics. Ah, his, okay. Yeah, two amazing gyms. Great guy, good friend. Uh, but just couldn't justify the time. Um, had just a bunch of different interviews. Had a few job offers. And I turned down some job offers without a full-time job, which is a weird feeling because I just didn't feel they were right. And then George Washington, uh, I, I threw my resume in kind of last second. I, I, what had happened is two people had turned a job down, and I got some calls from some people like, are you going to apply for this? Two people have turned it down. Throw your name in a hat. See what happens. So I was like, all right, I will. And um, I did. Basically, it was funny. I was interviewing in – it was like I did an interview at uh, Kenyon College on Monday, in Columbus on Wednesday, and then D.C. on Friday. It was like boom, boom, boom. My car blows up during the process. Like the radio hose broke, engine block cracks. I like basically pull off the side of the road, walk up to a used car dealership, basically buy a car so I can get to D.C. Um, I remember this part of the story. Getting yeah. financing <laughs> without a job is interesting. I got financing. Um, good credit score gets you a long way. Lesson, get a good credit score. Um, but... So from there, um, they offered me a job, and uh, G-Dub was so different than Robert Morris. Such a different, such a progressive school, high Despite academic the fact standards. that they have the same font and a very similar mascot. Colonial. Yeah, yes, very similar. But, um, you know, my ID, Tanya, I really actually enjoyed her. Um, when I resigned, I feel bad because I think our relationship fell apart. I reached out there a few times, never heard back. But I think she did a good job and a very difficult job because you have an academic school with – they had 27 sports, inner city schools here, crammed for facilities. And, and um, you know, I think she did a great job making the best of, you know, of what you, you know, using your current resources, mm -hmm. using, you know, being a great steward of your resources. And uh, I was there for two years. That's when it was funny. I actually found the notes of, I got there and they said, we need a strength coach for women's basketball. And our women's basketball coach was J Jen Rosati, two-time national champ at UConn. Um, former head coach of Hartford, went to a bunch of NCAs there, uh, on, on uh, one of the assistants on Team USA, former WNBA player. I mean, she's done it all. Her husband, Solly, is the dude. Solly is the dude. Uh, we used to have battles on the, um, on the verse climber together every Wednesday, our conditioning day. Um, and so I sit down with her, and she's like, well, let's hire a strength coach. And I get an amazing list of candidates. I, I just saw the notes. I'm, like, looking, like – Jenna Reddy, who I'm trying to get on the podcast, strength coach Clemson now, she was on it. Mary Beth Pitt was on it. Simone, who I ended up hiring, was on it. And this was amazing. And Andrea Hootie, who was the strength coach of Kansas at the time, then went to Texas and she's back at UConn. Um, she called me and she's like, listen, I got this girl. She's young, but she's good. And, man, Simone came in and just blew us away in the interview. Solid, to the point, confident in what she did. And at the time, I was running women's basketball in and so we hire Simone. She comes in. She takes over women's basketball, and she's about five foot zero, uh, you know, eighty-two pounds, soaking wet. You know, not a big voice in the room. And I remember like looking, like I don't know how this is. Like, I believe in her. I wouldn't hire her if I didn't. But you know, I had, let's see how this works out. And she just blew me away from day one. Her, her wisdom for someone her age, where she didn't. Um, she, you know, she didn't overscience the whole thing, which I think a lot of people over they overthink it, and then they freeze up and don't do it right um and so i hired her she you know learned so much in that year and a half working with her and then when this job opened it was funny because i actually um you know got some calls from some people like hey you know people i trained here people i worked with here like you would be a good fit come back and i was very hesitant because uh my friend was the had the job prior to me and i you know you don't like following a good friend of yours and so finally i did actually i called casey and said hey man you know i think i'm gonna apply for this and he's like listen you, you do what's best for you and i understand i uh, met with brad ott who is the vice president here for pharaohs who's our parent company and man what a great dude um and was like I, I was sold on it from the moment i walked walked in and met with him and now in the last year and a half the amount of learning i've done of what not working in a university is like I'm used to university, you know, which is red tape, which is kind of stay in your lane, know your place. 
Uh, and maybe it's because we're a smaller company. I don't know. But uh, the freedom of do your job and do it well is a, is a unique thing for me. And it's even as simple as, you know, not asking for permission to have a podcast. We just have a podcast. Mm -hmm. So, and I think those lessons of, you know, find ways to succeed where you're at. And if you're in that university setting, fit into that. It goes back. I remember the story about Ben Franklin. Uh, it was Franklin that went over to France, I believe. Yep. Yeah, right. And and uh, he went with another founding father, and they were over there. And Jefferson would be my guess. I, yeah, I can't recall who it was. But I remember, like, Franklin, you know, he's the early to bed, early to rise guy. And when he was in France, man, he would party and drink. And, you I was going to say, early to bed. He was in the Skull and Bones Club. He went to well, a different kind of bed. Well, the thing is, in France, I guess, he would be boozing in the bar till 3 in the morning. And the beauty of his wisdom was that he knew in France that's how business was done. And so when in France, and whoever the other founding father was with him, in his diary had written, like, this guy's a boob. He's out drinking every night. He's doing all these things. He knew how to get things done. And so I think knowing how to fit into your current – everyone, they take a job and they think, I'm going to change the culture. Excuse me. Um, I don't think you always have to change the culture. I think you have to understand the culture and then figure out where your strengths – and one of my jobs here is I walked into a very successful business. Right. And I knew what Casey had built here and what Lindsay had built here and the people prior to me. My job wasn't to change it, you know, add my strengths to what they had already done because they built something amazing. And my job is now to take that and take, try to take it to the next level with my strengths and use the people who are already here. Curtis, bring in people like CJ. Um, you know, uh, I think Cody's been a huge asset. And the, the Cody and Kate now, that's officially like a, mm -hmm. um, a team, a tag team. Engaged. Of, engaged. Um, they're going to get married under the monolith right here. No, I made that part up. But <laughs> You had me. I, you had me. You had me, and he would have had like the resistance measure thingies on it yeah, and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but I think that that's the lesson, you know, like you don't have to change culture when you come in, whether you're the boss, whether you're a minion and, uh, you know, you have to understand the culture and then see where your strengths help improve that and also solve problems for people. You know, when you take on that new job, solve the problem. What's the problem? Okay. The problem is we need to find a way to better do a or do B. Um, you know, since I've come in. You know, we've taken over two universities, training of two universities locally. Uh, that was never in the plans here. I don't think anyone at Pharos, at Union, had any thoughts on that. But I was like, well, I have the connections. Why not use them? And if you have 0% of a market right now, if you captured 2%, if it's 2% more than you had at zero. Um, and so, um, you know, we've had some huge success with some things, had some, you know, some failures as well. We tried some things like this is not working and let's – change change you know let's move on to the next challenge um so that's kind of where we're how we got here today how i got here and also where union is today i think and what we're trying to do so that was a good um timeline now i'm going to ask you some specific questions boom okay um your time at pit with buddy morris yes give me the biggest lesson you learned biggest lesson i learned is that if you want to be the best at something, you have to be all in, fully committed. Um, I don't want to be the best at anything. I want to be uh, – who's the founder of um, <laughs> Patagonia? Yeah. Uh, Yvonne. Yvonne yeah, Jurgen Fergen. That gentleman, I forget his name right now, uh, it, and it's funny. I quote it, and then I think the next day Cody said it. I'm like, I just said that quote. said, uh, I want to be 80% proficient at anything I do. Anything above 80% proficiency bores me, and that's me. I mountain bike seven miles today. I lifted today. They're always saying, so I'm not bad at any of them. I'm not great at any of them. I'm not the best mountain biker in the mountain bike group. I'm not the best lifter in the lifting group. But I want to be 80% proficient. And Buddy Morris wants to be 100% proficient as a strength coach. I don't. Um, you know, that's committing more time and energy. And again, return on investment. Mm -hmm. If I can be 80%, I can still be pretty good and I can do other things I want to do. Buddy's 100%, and I respect that. And we need those people. That ain't me. Um, and, and, and I don't want it to be me. So I think that's the biggest lesson. Do you want to know my favorite Yvonne quote? Yeah, go. Is, uh, okay, so, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a pessimist, but I'm happy. I'm okay with that one. Right? It's like, yeah, the world's always falling, but at least I'm being the one who knows it's falling. I think I'm an optimist. All yeah. Right. Rapid fire, what's the next one? Okay, uh, Virginia Commonwealth, you're with the one and only actual comic book fucking character come to life. Tim Contos. Tim Contos. Squats every day. What? What? Uh, what's the biggest lesson you learned there? 
Uh, professionalism. Learn how to play the game. Um, I think, you know, uh, if, if you don't know the phrase code switching, know it. Know how to code switch. Know when to code switch. Don't be faking your code switching. But when you speak to uh, the poem, if Rupert Kipling is, you know, one of my go-tos. If you've never read it, Google it. Um, but, you know, one of the points of the thing is if you can walk with the commoner yet talk with kings or something like that. And I think, you know, you need to be able to code switch. When I speak to Nate Harris and hear about lifting, I need to be able to speak to him in one way, but then speak to the owners of this building when they come in in a different way and not be fake, truly be myself, but be able to change my, uh, my verbiage slightly, be able to, and again, not being fake and not pandering. But code switching, knowing when it's okay to speak in a certain uh, vernacular, if you will, mm -hmm. and when it's okay not to, and know the difference. And I think Tim's, you know, pretty good at that. And then you just listed off a amazing list of humans that came through under your tutelage at Robert Morris. Give me the biggest lesson you learned from somebody underneath you, and who was it? Ryan Nozak. Uh, and I'll give Nozak this. Um, he was definitely so much similar to like a Simone, so much more reserved in the first six months. So I had volleyball. They were like my babies. I loved those girls like to this day. Still good friends with a lot of them. And Nozak came in. And I said, you're going to have volleyball. This is my team. Don't screw it up. Like, this is my team. I love this team. The and Robert Morris's volleyball team was always, very Always good. solid team. The coaches are still – I just talked to Danny, the assistant coach, yesterday, actually. Still still like the coaches and everything. Athletic trainer, I was at her wedding. And he comes in, and he did it 100% different to me. And I learned it's okay to be different. And if you care, you – it was funny because I actually was – not having the same impact on that team as I'd had on previous teams. So the, the last year before he took over volleyball, I didn't have the connection with the girls that I had in the past, which you learn it ebbs and flows. People think like, oh, I got this. Well, it's going to ebb and flow. And I wasn't having a huge impact. I could feel it was kind of slipping. I didn't know how to get it back. He came in and got it like that. And you have to put your ego aside and say it's not about me. It's about those kids. They're having a great experience because of Ryan. I hired Ryan. That's a good thing. Yeah. Put the ego aside. We're successful because of Ryan. And I think that's a, such a big lesson I had um, watching Ryan progress, and that's what makes him a great coach. He puts his ego aside. And uh, your biggest lessons from G-Dub, or biggest lesson? Uh, G-Dub, um, Probably um, how to administrate better, and I think what that means is kind of take it take what Tim said on steroids. Um, know how to, um, and I, I hate to say it this way, but document things, keep track of things, because as you move up the ladder, um, it's not just having fun anymore. It's now managing. And most of my job at George Washington was managing people. And I had a staff of six people. I had three weight rooms. And, and I had to make sure everyone – and there were times when Coach A, we had an issue with a team where they couldn't stand they couldn't stand a strength coach. I liked a strength coach. And I had to say to the strength coach, this is nothing personal. You're not going to work with this team anymore. And I actually gave him to Simone. And she was like, thanks. Something else on my plate. I'm like, well, don't be so good. Um, but learning how to manage that within your people and um, – and I, I learned that there. And it tied to a lesson I learned here. I was talking to my boss about people working from home. And I was like, man, I'm glad I'm not you. You have all these people. They've been working from home. Now you're saying, I need you to come back in the office. And they're saying, well, I was successful at home. Why? And, and it gave me this great example. of One guy said, I need this person in the office because I need people to see him do his job. Because if his job gets lost in the mix and his budget drops, then we don't have that job anymore. And I know that job's important. So I need people to see that person. And I know that's not what that person wants to hear. Hey, why do you have to be in the office? Because I need people to see you. Well, I don't want to come to the office every day. Uh, and that person doesn't have to come in every day anymore. But, you know, it taught me that, is that how are you going to manage each person? Stop playing coach like they're chess pieces or puzzle pieces. They're not. They're human beings. And at GW, we had over 600 athletes. 600 athletes I ever saw. Um and, and to be honest with you, we had some very wealthy, entitled kids. We had kids that would, you know, just, they expected a lot, and they expected a high level of service. And sometimes a high level of service meant, like, they expect things. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, no. You lifted, get the hell out. Um, and I think I learned a lot about how to deal, how to manage people, how to deal with people from that experience, which tied directly into this experience. Favorite Penn State bar? Uh, well, back in my day, it was the cafe. Okay. You know, the Long Island Iced Tea, $1.95. I think they're still $1.95. Probably. <laughs> um, 
And my man JT used to play an acoustic set there every day from four to every Friday, four to six. I heard he got cancer a few years. I mean, the guy was old when I was there, so who knows? Dude drove from like Erie for his Friday, Saturday shows in State College. He made a living off it. But uh, man, we used to rock that place. And uh, I got a story about that. So we were there on a Thursday night, Dollar Ninety Five Long Islands. I'm 22 years old, too dumb to you know care. And I'm with a friend of mine in college. Preacher was his name. I honestly forget his full name right now. And we used to go boozing with Preacher sometimes. And I was like, listen, I'm only having two Long Islands night, guys. Like, I know we're going to hit tomorrow night. I got a busy Friday with school. I'm hitting two, two, two. So I got my second drink. I'm like, this is it. It's my only drink. Don't order me there. Don't think about it. Two. I'm only having two. Plus, I have $5 on me. And all of a sudden, this waitress comes over with a tray of Long Islands and just is setting them down. And I'm talking about, like, at least two more each. And I'm like, who did it? And Preacher's like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm like, I told you. And he's like, no, no, I'm friends with the owner. And he waves this his older gentleman. And he's like, he's my fly fishing mentor. I was like, Preacher, you're fly fishing mentor? Are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, I'll be honest with you. We ended up, this is how the night ended. Um, my roommate Pickle, his last name is Pickle, call him Pickle, lives up in um, Williamsport now. Pickle running down Beaver Ave. I jump on his back. He's sprinting. I'm hanging on his back. He trips. I go like a mountain bike over the bar, but I go over the pickle face first, cut my ear open, stitches in the ear, broken wrist, you know, just a mess. Um, I remember we walked into my apartment. You know, college is just dumb. We walked into my apartment, and my next-door neighbors were over there just having a beer, and the girlfriend's there. like, what up? And she's, like, taping my head up, and I looked like a war victim. College. But did you make it to class on Friday? Uh, I know I made the class. I benched on Friday on a broken wrist. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, pickle, Preacher, Canadian Destroyer, or Canadian Crusher. What was the best nickname you've heard? Ooh. Oh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my man from Asornex, um, Daniel McKim. Daniel, if you don't follow him on Instagram, please do. He's hilarious. And I always thank him for making fun of strength coaches. And this is a fictitious nickname but it's a great one jenkins oh and that's not says, what i thought you were gonna go with no. okay and the reason it's jenkins is every he, he always makes fun of strength coach like hey hey get uh jenkins over jenkins jenkins and everyone he doesn't know their name is jenkins, jenkins. and as a strength coach who would have like 300 athletes you're like hey uh jenkins and you because you because and so with me like we always use nicknames because when you get Robert Morris football brings in 45 freshmen every year. 20 of them are going to stick it out for four years. 25 are going to drop out. You're trying to learn kids' names who are never going to be there again. I have had situations, and I feel terrible when this happens, where I'm somewhere, I'm in line somewhere, and someone's like, Coach. And I'm like, hey, man. They're like, oh, I haven't seen you in years. How's life? I'm like, great. How are you doing? They're like, good. And I'm like, did I coach this guy? Do I know this person? I don't know, and I feel terrible. So I always took nicknames because you have to remember people. So, Jenkins. And the last question, what were the top three lifts you ever had from an athlete? Like, they put something on the bar that was just uh, stupid. So, I'll give you – I'm not going to tell you the craziest weight-wise. Uh, well, it, it'll be, be a little bit of both. Um, Mike Lovely, who I actually had a beer at Federal with recently, uh, I'll never forget. This dude came from Keystone Oaks. He was not recruited, kind of a walk-on, whatever. Earned himself a position because he worked his tail off. And built himself to a 500-pound squat, which here doesn't sound like much, but it's still a strong human. I'll never forget. He hit 475, and it was kind of a grinder. It was test days, like, Hammer, what do you think? And, like, 495 stupid. You got to put the chips on it hitting even five. And I'm like, I think you can get five, but I think it's going to take every bit, and you can't quit, and da 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 And he's, he, like, even when I see him 15 years later, he's like, tell me that stupid story about my 500-pound squat. And I'm like, no, because I was like, it's going to be a hit or miss here. I've seen enough lifts. I know that this one, you, you can do it. But if you fall out of the groove a little, if you quit on it, if you don't stay tight, and he just rode it out and grinded and fought, and that describes that dude's life. And that's why he's an actuary in the city making absurd amounts of money and whatever. Um, the second one was uh, Steve um, Steve Mitchell, Central Catholic kid, walked in, benching 405 as a freshman, whatever. During camp, ban is act. We got a bench, Max. We got a bench, Max. Okay, coach. And he blew up 475 bench like it was nothing. And he goes, I want five. And I said, no. And he was like, why? I was like, because it's return on investment. What are the odds of you getting hurt? Pretty slim. But there's no you know, it, no. And to see someone just rip 475 during camp like it was nothing was amazing. Um, 
the uh, was it? oh, and and the last one is Chris Roberts, who actually lives in Delaware. I was at his wedding. His wife was a former athlete of mine as well, and he was getting ready for a meet. He was close to a five hundred pound bencher, and he was doing four seventy five one day. And I was spotting him. It was just me. And uh, excuse the language is about to say here, but this is actually what happened. And our bars were so trashy, and it was slightly bent. He was coming up, and the bend on the bar, I saw it just flip, like where the bend was, like, because the bar had a bend, and it must have been bowed up, and it kind of just snapped back on him. So his wrist went this way, and the bar starts going towards his throat. So I jump on his face, like sit on his face, and catch the bar on my thighs. And there were other people, and we grab his side, grab his side. And he's not moving. I'm like, oh, my God, I caught his neck. He broke his neck. He's dead. Oh, my God, I killed Chris Roberts. I love Chris Roberts. I want to get... And I'm like, Chris, are you okay? And he goes, I'm not moving. Your balls are on my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, legit, I was sitting on him. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm really sorry about this. Um, but um, and we just, like I said, had a beer recently when he was in town and talked about that. But uh, that was wild. That was wild. That was a good one to end on. Yes. That was so a good one to end on. On that, mm, peace. There you go. All <laughs> right. Uh, anything else you want to get in there? You know, uh, hopefully you liked my story. Yeah. 50% stories. 50%, 50% facts. Yes. Uh, my stories tend to be 50% true as well, just so everyone knows. <laughs> um, ask CJ about that. But, um, no, I, you know, I just kind of wanted to tell my story and the lessons I've learned from others. Cool. So I appreciate you guys. Keep being you. It's the Union Fitness Podcast. Peace.